Welcome to I'm Fine, You, brought to you by Maybelline New York, where we are normalizing the conversation around anxiety, depression, and mental health. Now here's your host, Chrissy Rutherford. Hello, and welcome to I'm Fine, You, presented by Maybelline New York. I'm Chrissy Rutherford, and on this podcast, we're channeling Maybelline's Brave Together initiative into real-life conversations to help normalize the discussion around mental health and provide support to those who need it most. Today, I'm so happy to be joined by content creator, influencer, and mom-to-be, Demi Schwears. Demi, along with her husband, Tom, have amassed over 1.8 million followers on TikTok by openly and honestly sharing their life while battling fertility, PCOS, and MS. And she is here now to talk all about her mental health journey and so much more. Welcome, Demi. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Chrissy. Of course, I'm so looking forward to this conversation today. Most of our listeners will know you from social media, TikTok most specifically, and the (laughs) incredible way that you share your life, your relationship with Tom, you know, obviously, You've had quite a long road to getting pregnant. Before we get into all of that, let's talk about like, how did you even get started on TikTok and creating content with your husband? (laughs) Yeah, I wish there was like some grand story to it, but (laughs) honestly, it was a complete accident. We're just goofy and silly all the time. And we recorded a video and one of my cousins was like, you should put this on TikTok. And I was like, no, that's for like the young people. We're too old for that. Right. And they convinced me enough when we ended up posting it and it went pretty viral. And then we just stayed consistent with it. And at first we were like, our friends will never see this. Our family will never see this. And <laughs> lo and behold, here we are. <laughs> I know. It's a little bit different. about TikTok where you're like, no one I know is going to see this. No, no. That, that, that was certainly not the case. Everyone has seen it in our lives. <laughs> and like, obviously, TikTok, we know as this really fun app dances going viral and people doing comedy skits and like all these like silly videos. But obviously you've gotten into like some pretty heavy topics. So what made you decide to actually start opening up to your audience and sharing your fertility struggle? Yeah, I think it actually starts with the beginning of our TikTok experience. Right before we uploaded that first video, I had been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Mm -hmm. And during that time, there wasn't anyone I was seeing in my day-to-day who had MS. And so I started talking about it on TikTok. And I started filming little videos about it and going on live and talking about it. And I found people online who also had MS who were also around my age and how they were navigating it. And I think through that experience of sharing the MS, when it came time to our fertility journey and once we were comfortable talking about the pregnancy loss that we had in the beginning of last year, we decided, you know what, this is another topic that we're just not seeing being discussed as much as it really should be. And I think that it was the, you know, conversations we had early on with our social media, with talking about MS that led us to be comfortable talking about the fertility struggles. Right. And for those who aren't familiar, can you tell us a little bit about what MS is exactly and how you experienced it? Yeah. So MS stands for multiple sclerosis, and it's an autoimmune disease that affects your brain, your spinal cord, and your nervous system. Uh And essentially, the body attacks the myelin sheath, which covers our nerves and kind of protects them. And it attacks itself, and you lose that. It's called demyelination. And essentially, MS is kind of unique as everyone experiences it differently. They call it like a snowflake disease. 
because no two people have it the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so with that being said, it looks different for everyone. I personally have relapsing and remitting MS, day-to-day symptoms. I get brain fog. I get fatigue. My limbs go numb, particularly for me on my right side, my hands and my legs go numb and tingly. Those are things I experience on a day-to-day basis. When I'm having a relapse, though, it looks totally different. It can be pretty severe. Back in 2020, when I was diagnosed, I was in the hospital and I lost vision in my right eye for about two and a half to three months. Wow. And I just woke up blind one day. And I also lost my mobility on my right side. I had very, I had a lot of muscle weakness. I had a very difficult time walking and navigating during that time. And it's definitely scary and overwhelming. There's no time frame of how long these relapses will last or how severe they will get. I've had a few since then, but they've been pretty minor. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that's that's pretty much a good summary of MS, but there's so many levels to it and there's so many different types that it can get pretty pretty complicated. Right. And now, how did you also take this into account when you were deciding to have a child? Yeah, yeah. That was obviously a, a huge thing for us in so many different facets. Tom and I got married in August of 2020, and I was diagnosed November of 2020 with MS. So it kind of threw us for a whole shift right from the get-go. And we're both former teachers. We love kids. We always wanted to have a family. And we initially wanted to you know, start family planning right away. But that obviously got put on hold because we were like, what is MS all about? What is my life going to look like? Am I, you know, do I have a more progressive type that I'll be in a wheelchair? And just figuring out like where my MS was. And after we got comfortable with my diagnosis and had a good plan in place, and we felt that it was at a stable place, we decided that with the MS I have and the severity it was, it really wouldn't impact being the mom that I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And with that, pregnancy has actually been amazing. With MS, my MS symptoms have completely dissipated during this time, which wow, is that's just incredibly like, lucky. Yeah, it's amazing. But you know, we have things in place for post labor and delivery that I could have another relapse. But I have a great neurologist here. We have a great plan in place and. I'm not too concerned about it. I know that no matter what, we have the village around us and the support system to to get through it. Yeah, which is so important. And, you know, for many women, the journey to and through motherhood can be very impactful on their mental health. And I know that you previously experienced the heartbreak and devastation of a miscarriage. How did that experience impact you and your husband, Tom? And how have you been able to pick yourselves back up and carry on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's... <laughs> That's a great question. We had a miscarriage January of last year, which would have been 2022. And the year prior to that, we had been trying to get pregnant and just never had a positive test. And then we finally do, and then it ends in a miscarriage. So that in itself was just very, very difficult. But during that time, that short window of being pregnant with that pregnancy, things just weren't looking good. And there was a lot of anxiety. It was a lot of stress. Uh And when we got the news that I was miscarrying, I remember we sat in the car of the hospital parking lot. And I said, look, we need to be like open communication. We need to keep it real. We need to keep it vulnerable. And he totally agreed. And I kind of said, you know, Tom, I feel kind of like a burden's been lifted off my shoulder, which is kind of not what you would expect someone to say when they just got told they're losing a child. But the stress that we were having every day that things just weren't going well was getting so heavy and so mentally draining that to know that things were going to be you know, resolved and there was an answer almost made us both feel better in that circumstance. And obviously Uh it was devastating, but just having that comfort knowing that, you know, we don't have to keep going to the hospital every single day and doing these blood tests and seeing if things are okay and having that constant stress and anxiety over it. 
And from there on out, we, we really just kept it honest with each other. We kept the communication open. We talked about it all the time. And we, we had daily check-ins multiple times a day. Yeah. So I assume this pregnancy now has been a whole different experience for you in terms of how oh, you've yeah. been feeling. Yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy. You know, we, we had the miscarriage in January and then we got pregnant again and I had an ectopic pregnancy. And then, Ugh. you know, we decided to do IVF and, and, and try a different route for us. And this pregnancy symptom wise has been a dream. I've had yeah. like no morning sickness, no, none of the crazy typical pregnancy things, but the mental and emotional state of being pregnant after loss is way more traumatic than I ever could have imagined. And yeah. ever would have envisioned it to be. Wow. And obviously we've been talking about your battle with MS and you also struggle with PCOS, right? <laughs> yes. Which is a whole other thing I feel like is becoming like increasingly common amongst women. Yeah. And obviously these have impact on your mental health as well. Like what advice do you have for anyone who is listening who is also struggling with health issues that's impacting their mental health or going through fertility issues as well. I think the biggest thing for me is to be your own best advocate. Like that is the golden rule of anything health related. If you feel as if a doctor is not listening to you or a nurse isn't listening to you or they're not taking what you're saying seriously, you need to go somewhere else and continue to advocate for yourself because mm-hmm. yes, they have the background and the medical training, but nobody knows your body better than you do. That would honestly be my my biggest takeaway with anything health related. If if you aren't feeling well or you just can sense that something's wrong, you need to advocate for yourself. Yeah, I think that's also a very common experience, right? For a lot of women and also women of color mm-hmm. that we're often not believed when we talk about symptoms that we have or they might be downplayed by medical professionals, which is really frustrating and disheartening. Absolutely. I mean- there's been a few times where that's definitely been the case for me. And I wound up in the ER and I was like, you don't understand the excruciating pain that I'm in. I'm telling you that things are not okay. (laughs) Yeah. And obviously personal relationships are super vital in our lives and can be such a source of joy, but they can also cause stress. How has it been with family and friends and sharing with what has been going on with your health, your fertility struggles? Have you always felt like you have a support system? You know, to a degree, yes. But in the same sense, no. I have a group of friends that I've been friends with since kindergarten. Mm-hmm. And they're absolutely incredible. And only one of them is a mother at this point of time. So mm. it was, you know, hard to talk in that space to some people because they just didn't, you know, they weren't at the same life stage that I was. And for sure, you know, that's totally fine. And then in terms of what was actually happening in our current life at that time, all of my sister-in-laws were pretty much pregnant when Tom and I were going through all of these things. And wow. It was really difficult knowing that I was struggling and we were going through all of these things and then being around the people that we were around who, you know, had these things that we wanted so desperately. You know, it's it's definitely difficult to do that, but we were communicative and, and let everyone know like how we were feeling in certain situations and on certain days and certain times. And it was really well responded. I mean, I feel like although maybe they didn't fully understand because they hadn't experienced it, everyone mm-hmm. was so willing to be there and to support us in any way that we needed it. And just knowing that we had that comfort and that support around us, even if it wasn't always met with exactly knowing what to do, was just yeah. nice to have. Yeah. And how does Tom support you and show up for you when you're really struggling? <laughs> In so many ways. He's <laughs> he's the best. I mean, 
one thing that I've always loved about my husband is he's just funny. Like he's just a fun, <laughs> goofy guy. And, you know, in the times where I'm feeling sad, you know, he'll listen and we'll have those serious conversations. But we always find a way to make something light and to be able to talk about it and not get too heavy and carry that burden around. It's more of like, let's have this discussion. You know, let's keep our emotions like in tune into actually what they are. But just because we're having a bad moment, it doesn't mean that we need to have a bad day or a bad week. Mm-hmm. And we can find the joy in other things. And we've both been really diligent of keeping date nights every single week. He's phenomenal with that, of making sure like, let's go oh, out, let's that. go be social, let's do this. Or when it just comes to, like walking our dogs, like, let's just get outside. Let's you know, get our mind off of this. And, you know, he's really great with that. I love that. And is he good about like really opening up and sharing his feelings as well when it comes to even how he's dealing with the miscarriage or things that you're going through? Yeah, he is. I would say, honestly, out of the two of us, he's way more emotional than I am. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> so yes, Tom is definitely the first to shed a tear and and to, you know, really show and express his true emotions I sometimes just am not that emotional. I'm more, you know, communicative and getting my words out and, and Tom Moore internalizes it in that way. But he's phenomenal. I think that, you know, he he's very much in tune with his emotions and our communication has come such a long way because of these things that have happened to us Yeah, that I think ultimately have set us up for success, getting us to this point, you know? Right. That's so amazing. So for some people, a big part of maintaining their mental health is having a creative outlet or some sort of artistic expression. Do you have any creative outlets or creative pursuits that help you find balance? Yeah, it's actually funny. I just started my garden again yesterday. But last year, (laughs) last year after the miscarriage and right after the ectopic pregnancy, maybe it was during that time. I decided to focus on growing something else. You know, Uh I was like, you know what? If we can't grow family at this time, let me grow a garden and I'll plant all these vegetables and all these herbs and I'll nurture it every day. And that's what I did last year. And I had like a little TikTok series of it. And it brought me so much joy going outside every morning and watering the plants and just hanging out with them. And it was such a great outlet that we had. And then being able to like harvest all those things and use it for nutrients for our bodies and I grew lettuce and kale and all these things. Like we just had a great little garden last year. And this year I just just planted everything yesterday. And I'm excited to be able to continue the garden. But this year it will just be with with our daughter. Yeah. So it's just kind of this like full circle thing. But but gardening has become a, a passion of mine through that, which I think is is kind of where my creative outlet has has turned to. That's actually such a beautiful mindset. You know, it makes me think of a friend of mine who also suffered a miscarriage a few years ago. And, you know, she is someone that is very tuned into like women's health and reproductive issues. And she was like, even though I was so aware of like how likely this was to happen, like it was still really, really hard for her when she actually had to face it. Mm -hmm. And I think that can be true, you know, for so many women, it's like one of those things where, yeah, you know, it's, it's a possibility, but it's kind of one of those things you're like, but maybe it's not going to happen to me. Like everything's going to be fine. So I think to be able to like make that shift and be like, I'm going to focus on growing something else for the time being, I think is really, really special. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really special. And I'm so glad to then this year, just coming full circle and being able to grow the garden with, with a little one. Yeah. And (laughs) teach her how to garden eventually and she'll take over. Yes. What a dream. 
And that also kind of takes me into self-care as well. You know, it's so, so important when it comes to mental health. What steps do you take in your life to, you know, make sure you stay in the right mindset and also just like take time to take care of you? Yeah. Self-care is huge for me. There's a couple things that, you know, I'm currently doing and I have been doing throughout pregnancy and just beforehand as well. But during this pregnancy, I have made it a point to go get a facial every single month no matter what, just like give myself that time and give myself that space just to take care of myself. And actually the, the uh, spa I go to here in Pittsburgh called Flora is like so incredible. And they have this custom scent and I packed it in my hospital bag so that when it's time for labor and delivery, I can just spray the incredible like zen and bring spa, it. <laughs> same thing, same thing. Exactly, exactly. But also it shows because your skin looks amazing. Thank you so much. But that's definitely something that I'm doing. And also I go to counseling once a week mm-hmm. and that's just been really good to to navigate the feelings that are coming up and totally. the anxieties that are coming up. And that's been really, really wonderful as well. And I also, I'm very active. I grew up playing sports. I continue to go to the gym and walk and get the exercise I need to. That, that offers a lot of uh, mental clarity for me. Absolutely. And as someone who has a massive following online, like how do you cut through the negativity that can exist on social media and not let it affect your mental health? (laughs) It's hard. It definitely is hard at times. And it's been hard for different parts of our journey. When we were struggling to get pregnant after losses and we were saying, you know, we're going to go the IVF route. We're like, well, why don't you just adopt? Why don't you just do this? And it's just like, you know, you don't need to judge someone for the actions that they're choosing to do. And Sometimes people put words in your mouth of, well, they're only doing this. They're not open to that or, or, you know, and it's hard sometimes and you don't always need to be on your defense and defending yourself. But at the same time, I try to keep everything as transparent as possible. And at the end of the day, just like in life, people aren't always going to agree with what you have to say and you're not going to make everybody happy. And, you know, you kind of have to take that for what it is. And, you know, sometimes people are just trolls for no reason and you just have to let it slide but it definitely does play a toll you know over time when you hear the same remarks and you're hearing this or you're hearing that it's tough and recently we've been protecting our peace a little bit more of some things that we're happy to share and some things Uh that we're not happy to share and just setting those boundaries for ourselves i think that sometimes people think because we talk about very personal topics that we're going to divulge all this information. It's like, well, we have to also protect our peace a lot of ways. And, you know, we're sharing what we're comfortable with sharing, but there's some things that we just want to keep close to our chest. No, absolutely. And, you know, I think also with you becoming new parents, I think you obviously have to make the decision that every online person needs to make. Will you share your child's life and post them on social media? Yeah, that's that's a huge conversation in our house. And I think too that you know, it can evolve over time. And that's something that, mm-hmm. you know, we we were aware of it, but it was something that we had to be like, our decision of this can change. And for right now, especially on TikTok, just the virability that it has sometimes, it's scary. You know, the world can be a Absolutely. really scary place and protecting her peace is just as important to us and, and her safety. So we're not comfortable out the gate, you know, broadcasting her to the world. That's just not where we're at. You know, that's just our personal choice. Yeah. We'll probably be showing more of different angles of her, like the back of her head and maybe her hands in this scene or whatever. But at the end of the day, our channel is called Demi and Tom. It's not the Schwerer's family. 
we started the two of us, it's going to remain the two of us. We can still talk about parent life and, you know, being a new mom and being a new dad and the obstacles that we're facing, but it doesn't need to incorporate her. And then it's different because then, you know, with Instagram and YouTube, there's just different audiences that you attract and different viral abilities. And Instagram, we're a little bit more lenient on certain things, like maybe Instagram stories, you actually might see her face just because the reach that that has is not as vast as right. a TikTok video and those disappear. So we have different comfort levels with with the different um, social platforms too. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And as you said, it's like nothing has to be written in stone right, right. now. Things can evolve, but I do agree. It's like you have to think also just about the safety of your child when it comes to TikTok because a video of yours can reach millions of yes. people. Yeah. And that can be kind of scary just to like think about. Yeah. Do you also have to like set boundaries for yourself around how much time you spend on social media? Oh, 100%. It's kind of funny for someone who does social media full time. I'm actually like never on my phone. I don't consume <laughs> a lot of social media, which is so weird. I love that for you. I wish I could say the same. <laughs> like I, Tom, Tom is on it more than I am. And he like knows these things. Like, have you heard about this? I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about at all. But no, we definitely have a balance with it. One thing that I personally do, I'm very type A. I'm like extremely organized and I love my schedules and planners. But we have content mapped out until the first week of July. And it's been like that for about a month now, just with her coming, just knowing where things will be. And I've pre-filmed a lot of things. Wow. So that was good. So you're like banking, banking content. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we have a whole catalog that's just kind of on standby. Brilliant. But that that is really helpful for us. And Tom and I, we used to have like recording days on Sundays where we'd like bang out five videos and like that used to get us through the week when we were both working full-time jobs. So we found a really good way to like balance that. Wow, I'm very very impressed by that. <laughs> I'm like I wish I could be like that in banking content. Ugh. Yeah, that must have been so interesting also to, you know, be working full-time jobs and then make the switch to social media full-time and you're like you know, you're really like going out into the unknown. Yeah, it was it was definitely scary. I was kind of at a pivotal moment of my career with I was in outside sales and I was driving six hours a day and wow. sales is stressful. And with my MS, the stress of just the job and all of these things, it was causing a lot more flare ups and I wasn't mm. comfortable driving a lot of the time. Right. And I was kind of at a place where, okay, well, I was, you know, corporate America. And I was like, I'm just a number here. (laughs) They don't care about my health situation. And I need to either find another job or let me just see what happens with the social media thing. Right. And Tom stayed at his inside sales job. He works from home. And, you know, with that kind of support of his financial salary, I decided, you know what, let me give it a go. If it doesn't work, I can always find something else. So that's what ended up happening. Yeah. And I'm sure that must have also just like taken a lot of stress off your shoulders that you were able to shift into a different kind of job that, you know, you can take time when you need it, when you're having flare ups, when you're just like this. Yeah, you just don't want to like get out of bed or you don't want to do anything. And that's such a luxury to be able to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. And and you hit the nail on the head right there. Like when I was working my sales job, I would have to wake up at like 5.30 to get the day started. And in the morning is when my fatigue hits the worst. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, there's some days I'm still up at like 6.30, 7 o'clock, but I can answer a few emails from bed to get my body, you know, just ready for the day and not push myself too hard. Because if I do that in the morning, then the whole day's a failure. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's nice. 
So let's shift gears a little bit because you are a woman of color and experiences of prejudice, discrimination, marginalization are unfortunately all too real for people like us. And I would love to hear how you have navigated any experiences of racism and prejudice and like how it's impacted your life and career and how do you rise above? Yeah, I feel like that Yes. <laughs> there have been so many different... You're like, yes, all the above. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And one thing too is, you know, I'm in an interracial relationship. My husband uh-huh. is white and luckily he is such an amazing ally and he has supported, gone beyond just what he really has had to do in the past. And he's just incredible in that sense. But it's funny, I, someone actually left some horrible comment on our Instagram the other day of like, your in-laws are secretly so disappointed that he's with you and all of this stuff. And, you know, I don't take things like that to heart because Uh I, I obviously know my situation, Yeah, but it is so hard to see that, you know, people can just feel that they can be so bold on the internet and say all of these things. And it's hurtful to hear that just in a generalized sense, but it's also just so hurtful to think that so many people still hold opinions like that out there. And, it's definitely difficult. And it's definitely even in the social media space, being a creator, although our account is both of us. And as I said, we're an interracial couple. I know that there have been times where Tom and I have not been given the budget that other creators have been. And, and, you know, that's something that I keep very real and I, and I, I'm honest and I have a lot of friends in this space and we, we share things like that. And we're very open to that. Of course. It's so important. Yeah. Yeah. it, It, it really is. And, you know, there's been a lot of things, especially with some of these brands who, you know, have been dealing with controversy themselves and being mindful of who we decide to partner with and the why we decide to partner with with different brands and what we choose to talk about and how we approach certain conversations. We have to be even more intentional and probably more particular on Absolutely. how how we communicate versus, you know, another creator who who isn't of color. Yeah. I know. And it must be so interesting also like going back to the fact that you're in an interracial relationship because I feel like there are these extremes that exist on TikTok where it's like either people are fetishizing interracial mm. relationships yep. or they're racist and they're against them. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, it's like, it's weird. <laughs> you're getting, you must be getting hit from like every angle. Yes. Yes. I've, I've, all of the above. Yes. <laughs> We've heard everything. I mean, from from both sides of you really should be with a black man and why, you know, why would you turn your back on your roots? And then the other version of you need to stay within your race. Like, why would you come over here? You're taking all like what did the person say this week? Like you're that you're your kind is taking all the good white men. And it's just like, oh what are God. you even saying? Like, what what even is this? But they're definitely important conversations to have. And Tom and I, we we keep it real about it. You know, we're we're always open to discussing them when we're on lives. If someone wants to ask us questions about that, you know, we we right. always keep it honest. And yeah. it, I think too, bringing a daughter into this world, it'll be interesting, you know, navigating that and seeing, you know, obviously we don't know what she looks like. She yeah. could genes are crazy. All sorts of things could happen. Absolutely. But it'll be interesting, you know, navigating that. And we've already prepared how we're going to handle different discussions in this house and how, uh-huh. you know, we're going to do certain things to make sure that she is aware of all things. Yeah. Cause I'm sure you also probably have experienced instances where people are also questioning your blackness. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. And I can't imagine like how difficult that could be as well. It is. It definitely is. You know, and sometimes it isn't necessarily, I don't know the best way to phrase it. It's not necessarily being so blunt and forward about it. Sometimes, you know, it's these subtle hints of things and mm-hmm. I know where the undertone of it is coming from. Right. And that's definitely an interesting thing to navigate. There was some, I don't remember what it was, but I was talking about something. So I was like, wow, you're way more well-spoken than I thought you would have been. And I was like, <laughs> what? What? Come again? What do you mean by that? <laughs> and, aye, you know, aye. it's, it's, uh, it's definitely, it's definitely tough. And then the other part of it too is Tom and I share our lives, but just because we share our lives doesn't mean our family and friends around us need to share theirs. And a lot of people are like, well, are you close with this person in your family? Are you close with that person in your family? Oh, yeah. And it's just like, why would you think otherwise? It's so interesting, right? It's like if you don't show it, people think it doesn't exist. I experience Mm -hmm. that all the time because I actually been living at home with my parents since the beginning of the pandemic. And Mm -hmm. I almost never share my mom because she does not want to be on social media whatsoever. But my dad likes a little bit of attention, so he doesn't <laughs> mind. So people have equated me not showing my mother as I don't have a good relationship with my mother. It's wild, the conclusions that people will draw. I mean, same thing. Mine's opposite. My mom my mom modeled like majority of her life, and she works Aww. at um, – she's like a model on QVC and HSN. So oh, like, I love that. She is living her best life right <laughs> she now. She knows how to work the camera. Oh, Yes. And she loves it. So my mom, I mean, we don't live close. She lives down in Florida and we're up in Pittsburgh, but she'll be on it. And unfortunately my dad passed away seven years ago. So obviously he's not being shown in anything and people are like, well, you, you must, he must not be, you know, you must not have a relationship with him. And I was like, right. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> how, how are we, how is A plus B equaling F? <laughs> Where are we going? <laughs> it is a very strange thing to be a person online and to have people like just be perceiving constantly who you are, mm-hmm. what you're doing, you know, what your relationship must be like. So that's must be a whole other thing as well. Just like people thinking and assuming that they know everything about yeah. your relationship because of what you choose to show about your relationship. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a whole other factor too, which which is interesting. And again, at the end of the day, like we have the boundaries of what we're comfortable with sharing and what we're not yeah. comfortable with sharing. And I think because a lot of what we do share again, is so personal that people think that we're open to sharing all of these things or we are sharing a full story. Right. And it's like, no, that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. It's like, you're never really going to see everything there is to know about a person in a three minute video, 60 second video. And I think even for a lot of us who are vulnerable on the internet, it's like, yeah, just because we choose to be open about things, like it still doesn't mean you know the whole story or that you deserve to know everything else that there is to know about us. Yeah, you know, you you're absolutely right. And even more recently I've been saying that as my due date approaches, which is like in 2 weeks or something crazy, you know, I've been really transparent that our comfort levels of sharing our daughter are not going to be as vulnerable as we've been within this journey and I was nervous. I was really nervous that our community was going to accept that because they've mm-hmm. been such a vital part and we've been so open about this journey, but right. I'm so pleasantly surprised to see an overwhelming like response of we completely understand you don't owe us anything. And like we just we appreciate being a part of this journey. And 
like that is the best thing in the world. And I'm just so glad it's so well received. And, but I think too, it was the communication piece that we had to say like, Hey, just so you know, mm-hmm. X, Y, Z, because it's very much so a community. And, you know, she were just to come and we weren't to say anything and be like, wait, what? <laughs> What's right, happening? Of course. <laughs> People would feel abandoned by you. Yes, yes. And so, yeah, with the due date coming up in two weeks, like how are you mentally preparing for that? Yeah. um, And physically. (laughs) (laughs) Physically, I'm eating a lot of dates and drinking a lot of tea. But, you know, we're all ready in terms of all the items are purchased, everything set up. But it's crazy. I mean... Tom and I really value our time together. And as I said, like we love going on date nights. We're very social people. Like if mm-hmm. we have a free night, like we're going to a happy hour somewhere, even just to sit at the bar and like right. mingle with people. Like we love it. Aww. So it's definitely going to be interesting to lose that flexibility within our mm-hmm. schedules to do it. But at the same time, you know, people say that having a child is going to change your life. Obviously. Obviously, right. that's going to to change everything. But I don't think it's going to hold us back from being the relationship that we want to be. And one thing that we've kind of just established between the two of us is when she comes, like the number one priority is still going to be each other because in order for her to have a safe and loving home environment, we need to make sure that we're good and we want her to see what a healthy relationship looks like. Yes. So that is kind of a thing that's coming up, but it's also just this bittersweet thing of it's not going to just be me and you anymore. Oh, (laughs) totally. But but yeah, we're, we're excited. We're really excited. A little bit nervous, but it'll all be worth it. It will. Demi, this has been such a great conversation. Before I let you go, what is one thing you would like the audience to take away from our discussion today? Or what piece of parting advice would you like to give them? I think, as I said earlier, when it comes to your health, mental health, physical health, just be your own best advocate. And I would also just say, be uniquely you. Love it. That's it. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I want to give a huge thank you to Demi for coming on the show today and talking about her story and journey to motherhood. And remember, we're here to provide access to mental health resources and support those who need it most. For more information, visit Maybelline.com slash Brave Together. And don't forget to make sure you're subscribed to I'm Fine, You. And if you're enjoying the show, leave us a review. Tell us what you like. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Chrissy Rutherford, and this has been I'm Fine, You, presented by Maybelline, New York. Maybelline.